listening to the Derek Asante podcast, the show that brings you insightful conversations about everyday topics. I just aim to keep the discussion above average. My guests are the ones bringing the social proof to the conversation. Let's get into it. I'm your host, Derek Asante, and today we are actually kicking it with a brother of mine from another mother, an individual uh, who literally defined the odds in every sense of the term. This brother and I share a lot in common, and that's a part of the reason why I love and respect him. He's an inspiration, a definite, I mean definite go-getter in my books. And I've asked him to join me in a conversation about his journey, his writing, and his vision for all the tomorrows ahead of us. And when I say his writing, I'm talking about his books. He is a writer. He is an author. Yes, he's a poet. So please help me welcome my brother, Kevin Wright. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Thanks for having me. Oh man, I feel like I, I feel like I, I feel like I made it. I'm one of those. Uh, I'm, I watch those Breakfast Club interviews, and <laughs> those guys just come out, and they're just like, "Yeah, I made it. Like I, I made the podcast. Jesus, I'm here. I'm here." <laughs> Listen, you definitely made it. It is not even oh, the podcast, but you I know, definitely right? made it. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for having me, brother. Thanks for having me, man. Man, now. This is going to be a good one. I feel, I feel good about this one just because often when we have a conversation, it's usually uh, full of not just, you know, good laughs, but, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of deep thinking and, and just conversations that I don't think we can have with other people that we have in, you know, in distant circles. Yeah. And um, so today what I want to do is I want to actually take, take the people that are listening um, through your journey um, so I have a few, you know, questions that I want to take you down the path and, and then bring it full circle to where we are current, currently, and then even further, maybe into the future. Right. So I want to, I want to open with this quote and then I want your opinion on it and what, what comes to mind when you hear this. It's a short one by uh, Darren Martin and it reads, your limits are exactly that your limits I don't, I don't feel like I, I don't feel like I have any limits. I think like, like life is a limit, like limits are what you create for yourself. Um, however, I don't feel like I have any limits. I just, I just don't like, I'm, I just feel like I'm an unstoppable force right now at the point of my life. And, um, I just feel like it's, it's, it's go time every day I wake up. So I don't feel like, you know, limits exist anymore. Like I felt when we were younger, it's like, oh no, go the limit. There's no limit anymore. It's either go hard or go home. And I, yeah, I agree with that for sure. Now, do you think people set limits for themselves, like other people? I wholeheartedly agree. Right. I wholeheartedly agree. You know, and and I mean, you and I both know we hear a lot of people talk about, oh, why they couldn't do this and why they couldn't do that, and I just think. It's exactly what this quote is talking about, that they set these limits for themselves Mm -hmm. and yet they want to blame external forces on a consistent basis. You know, I have these uh, active conversations with people. So, um, you know, whether I'm at work or, you know, I see an old friend or an old colleague and the first thing they say, I'm like, yo, how's it going? They're like, I'm living a dream. And it's like a shot not at me or you know whatever but it, it feels like it's a shot at the world where it's like the world owes you something right the world doesn't owe you something the world is here for you to take something from it so you know are you really living a dream because i mean i feel like i am i feel like this world is open to so much so much possibility and i you know i'm just trying to absorb and be a sponge for my whole surroundings and you know take and take and take because this world is giving, giving, giving. It's not always nice, but you, you still got to create that possibility for yourself and, and, and go on with it. Right. Right. <clears throat> so part of the reason for this conversation tonight is I'm curious to find out how you persevered, right? Coming from where we grew up. And so... um. 
before we even get into that, I want to jump right in. I want to ask you this. What is more important to you? Is it status, money, power, or respect? If you have to choose one of those. I would say respect. Because I think the respect that I have for myself, I can have everything else that you just mentioned. I could... I can get respect out of money because people respect money already. Um, status, respect, respect for yourself and your your upbringing, the way you the way you compose, the way you stand, the way you walk, the way you speak. You have that respect for yourself. Then everything else that you just mentioned is 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 limitless. Like you can have it all. So why I noticed you said respect for self. Why is that important? Like, in, in your opinion, like, why is it so important to first respect yourself before you bank on the respect from others? I think, I think at home, like, when you go home at night and, you know, whether you walk the streets and, you know, whatever it is you do in your, in your daily life, I think that you really got to respect yourself for, for picking yourself up out of that bed, for brushing your teeth, eating that breakfast and, you know, getting out that door. So when I internalize all that and I look at it, it's like, I think to myself where, you know what, this is you, Kevin, like, this is, this is you, you know, this is, this, 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 this world is, is a show and you got to walk out into it and, and you got to let these people know that you respect yourself above anything else. And that's the most important thing, because when you, when you learn to respect yourself, you grow an appreciation for everything around you. And you realize that everything else around you is is what it is because you understand that perception that, you know, that this person has and that person has because you're absorbing all of that information. But unless you respect and understand yourself, you can't have it all yet. Right. Now, I like that because how do you think respect played in that neighborhood that we grew up in, Lawrence Heights. Like how did Ooh. how did others interpret it or miss or misguided by it? I think it was um the respect I had was I guess I didn't understand it to to the way that I've described it just now, but I think for me it's the respect for the the, the city we lived in. It's the respect for the people around you, respect for brotherhood. Um, you know, you know, if you and I, when we grew up, we went in the store together, you know, we, we, we cracked a case of pop open and we, we, you know, we drank it together and we walked out of the store together. We did it together. It was that respect and camaraderie that we were supposed, we, we did things together. And I think that, um, a lot of the people around us were, they, when they internalized it all, it was it was the way they they didn't they didn't they didn't see it from that perspective, right? Because I felt I felt like everyone was just thinking too inside the bubble and not outside the bubble because that's what they were subjected to. So that was the scary part because I saw I saw beyond it. I saw into tomorrow and you know, everyone was living for the day. So it was like take, 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 take. But what are you willing to give, 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 give? Right. Now I respect everything that you just said. I just don't like the fact that you just incriminated me on my show that I, I went into the <laughs> store <laughs> and drank pop and didn't pay for it. <laughs> I don't appreciate that. <laughs> Yo, man, you know, you know, it, it was crazy because I was, uh, I was while I was while I was thinking that I was just like. I felt like I felt like a leader when I was growing up, but I think when you and I were doing a lot of the things, you I felt like the follower because it was just like I remember there was one time where I didn't do something you had asked me to do, and I couldn't do it because I actually had to go inside because my mom called, and when I came back, you punched me in my arm, and I was just like, "Yo, what's this guy punching me for?" And here's another thing too: like we there was that there was that sign of respect where it was just like. You know, there was the there was the older guys and there was the younger guys. And, you know, by the older guys, you got punched or you got, like, punked or whatever. Like, you, you know, you, you try to wrestle back, but yeah. 
yeah. you don't you don't like cross that line like you just <laughs> you have respect for your elders you know you try to get a shot in but yo best believe that you're gonna get hurt <laughs> if you try right so <laughs> Oh man! Oh man! Good time. That's it. That's it. Now, thinking back, thinking back to the old neighborhood, what what do you think it taught you? Like, what did you get from it that you you probably wouldn't have gotten if you had you know you grew up in a different neighborhood? I feel like it hardened me. I feel like it 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 molded me. It um it taught me to be tough. Taught me to be. Uh, resilient. Um, there was times where I wish that I took that with me into every single situation. You know, I, I mean, I go into I go into meetings nowadays, or you know, in the past year or two, and you know, I I sit there and it's you know, there's there's guys who pretend that they're the smartest person in the room, and I look at them and I'm just like, that's the problem. Like you're the smartest person in the room, so nobody else's opinion matters. So when I speak up, it's 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 that it's that jungle in me. It's that it's that resilience. It's that it's that that vibe, that sign of respect that I have for myself. Where it's like I'm not smarter than you, but I damn well got an opinion, and you're gonna listen to me, and you're gonna hear me. Right. Or you know, it's my words are my bark. That's I'm it. not gonna punch you in the face. I'm gonna punch you in the face with my words. Right. Literally. Right. It's true though. It's funny because even when I walk into spaces, I observe and I, you know, analyze and and see who's in the room, who wants to be the lion, and and you know, command the attention, and pretty much dictate what's going to happen in that space. But oftentimes, when you when they meet someone who isn't intimidated or, um, you know, like whimpering in their presence. You yeah. notice they take a step back. Yep. And the best part about it for me is when I don't say a word. I don't speak until I have something to say. And yep. and when I have something to say, you're going to hear it. But you're going to hear it in a way that you're not sure if I'm actually coming at you with it directly or indirectly. And so you have to kind of think. Yep. And after that encounter, they normally don't know how to approach me. But it definitely... There is a shift. They no longer mm-hmm. feel like a lion anymore, and they feel more like the, maybe a cub, you yeah. know. And that's always interesting to see because they come in with the bravado in their voice, and they feel like, yes, yep. you know, I'm running the show, but really, you're not. You're just, you know, uh, a sheep in in what do you call it, wolves' uh, clothing, right? Yeah. And there's it's a lot of that. There's a lot of you, that. You walk into, you, I mean, you walk into rooms now, and you, you just feel the weight of. Um, you know, the way that the room shifts yeah. and you just, you just, you understand when, when everybody just talks, you're just kind of like, Oh, okay. 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 Yeah. So you're calm. You're quiet. Yeah. Um, you're the lion. Oh, the wolf's over there. And there's a sheep. We got to follow. Yeah. You figure out who's who and it makes it so much interesting. Yeah. Um, what are you, what are you most grateful for? You know, as far as, from day one to the current day, what would you say one thing, if you had to pick one thing um, that you're most grateful for in this life and why? I would say, um, so um, her name is Julia Carter. She is my grade six teacher, a.k.a. my mother till this day. Not my birth mother, but my mother. Um, I think... Um, I'm most grateful for her because I truly feel like she saved my life. I feel like um, at that point in my life, I was really, really losing myself. Um, I felt like I was strong, but I I didn't feel like I was strong enough. Um, I felt like she, she reasserted my purpose in life. She gave me, you know, hope that, you know, you live in such a community, you're surrounded by, you know, successful people, but then you're surrounded by people who, who've created this like mental telepathy that, you know, we're oppressed in such a community that, you know, we can't see beyond it, you know? Mm-hmm. And, you know, I felt like she gave me that. I mean, it wasn't even just, you know, putting a book in front of me. It wasn't just, you know, teaching me math or English or whatever it was. It was like, what I really, really needed was like, 
life's lessons and you know when you're going to school you really couldn't learn that like school school wasn't built to me it wasn't built that way it was it was um you know whatever is in this book you got to you got to learn it right but it wasn't conditioning me for the life that i was living outside of it you know the fighting the 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 family the the way the whole community was structured um you know the 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 rich outside and then they kept the poor inside it was just this um this structure mm-hmm. like i couldn't escape it right and she she gave me that she gave me that light that sign that it was just it's more than just this man and you got to you got to show everyone around you this is what it really is because if you don't leave that you won't be able to get out there now is there is there one thing that she said to you i'm sure she said many things but can you share one thing that she said to you that really like stuck with you i would say that it's bigger than me i didn't understand it when she first said it but i i understood it and i realized that within my my family within that structure um she understood the dynamics mm. so if it was one person that was going to make it or if it was one of the two of us that were going to make it it was going to be me or it was going to be you know my younger sister you know if it was one of us it was going to be one of us that were going to make it right. and we were going to you know be that that shining shining star that that example of you know what success is or what success is going to be and you know it, it it comes in many shapes and forms and it's not just you know a degree or whatever it may be it's going to come from you know you respecting yourself and understanding that this is bigger than you right. like you got to show you got to show up so do you think i'm trying to figure out why do you think she cared <sighs> you know what um I've asked that question I've asked her that question many times and I don't think she's given me a fair answer. I think she just she saw something in me mm-hmm. that I didn't see in myself and I think that was the scariest thing because you know even to this day there's people around me who I push 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 and they're just like oh why do you care? Right. And I can honestly say that I don't really know why I care yeah. but I just feel like if you're standing close to me you got to be successful. You got to you got to like you got to be hungry. You got to win. Yeah. And if you're not here to win, then I don't want you next to me. Right. And if I care enough, I still got to push you. Right. I still got to push you. I still got to, you know, um to motivate you. I still got to teach you that respect for yourself because that's what it's about. Right. Now, how how important would you say people like her are to young people like in general like i mean you said she saved your life i'm assuming that's essential for any young person who has someone like that in their lives mm-hmm. so i mean if you if you spoke to anybody who was um i came across her um in her class or um who she didn't even teach like i'm talking her words um what she represents her strength her courage to be who she is that alone was amazing because when you stepped into her classroom or you stepped foot in front of her or you were even in her presence she made sure that she knew that you were there and you were important and that you meant something and i think that's what is the most important thing because when you come from where we come from you don't feel important you right. don't feel like you are something. You don't feel like you're going to be something. Right. Right. So the you know, it, the acknowledgement. Yeah, so if you you know, she's 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 one teacher, you know, in um in a community or you know, in a school where, you know, she's one of I would say three three teachers, I would say at a at a at a we'll say 20 that had this idea of creating this sense of hope for everyone else around her. and she just kept preaching and preaching and preaching and it was her bible the sense of hope the sense to dream you know because i think like when we grew up it was uh it was either hoop dream or no dream hoop uh, dream or no dream and it was just like nah but 
you know, it's it's not all about hoops. Hoops, hoops save our life. Hoops kept us off the streets. Yeah. Like hoops kept us in the gym, you know, kept us kept us away from gunfire, kept us away from all that negative negative stuff. Right. So that was her. That that's what she represented. So her classroom was like home. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So like you felt that man, you felt that. Yeah. yeah. You know. That's yeah. That's awesome. Like I I was fortunate to have somebody close to that. They weren't as connected as it sounds like she was to you. Like, mm-hmm. but she definitely had an impact um, on on me as well. So I I can definitely relate to that. Uh, for mm-hmm. all those listening, if you don't know, I'm I'm in a conversation with my brother Kevin Kevin Wright. Stay tuned. We're gonna keep keep going. Uh, there's a lot more for us to dive into, but um, right now we're just talking about you know his journey, um, how he got started, where he got started from. And how he managed to get through it with there's a lot of noise coming from the neighborhood we grew up in. And, you know, I just want to kind of paint a picture on how he managed to get through it and the key components, the key players that influenced that or helped make that happen. You know, and this is one significant piece that we just, you know, got introduced to. So, uh, again, thank you for that, Kevin. Um, what I want to follow up with is, <clears throat> do you often, I mean, just looking at yourself, like, do you often feel like you follow with your heart or your head when it comes to some of the critical decisions that you've had to make over the years? Oh, no question. I feel like I, I definitely, um, follow with my heart. I genuinely feel that there is um still good in people i genuinely feel like there is i have uh hope in the people around me even when uh, when i go against my better judgment i find that it's a, it's a constant battle but if i'm talking about you know the last couple of years i definitely i definitely go with my heart um i feel like it's 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 led me to the to the right place and um it's definitely kept me positive hmm now, do you have any um, situations where you were uncomfortable recently? Like anything that, whether it's work-related or, you know, um, acquaintances, friends, uh, relationships, anything. Like, is there a situation that you found yourself in? You're like, ah, this is, this is awkward. You know, so when I think about that, I, 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 I think of this idea of, um, of home and and home to me like it creates this like sense of um discomfort because i feel like when we go home we we have this um sense of well-being um this comfort this um this security and i always felt like when i when i went home i was supposed to feel that way and i feel like i've never i've never got that feeling of of being home i just felt like there was something to take from me but not for me to give emotionally to them if that makes any sense mm. Mm. so you're talking about you're talking about like going back home to where either your mom resides or your siblings my mother resides and, and yeah, so my mother forth. resides and my mother resides and my siblings got it got it yeah i just i it, it's just um it's just it's just an uncomfortable feeling. I mean, I feel like when I go there, like I, I get this, um, you know, sense of anxiousness. You know, I, I um, my sister makes me feel like I'm, you know, we treat each other like, you know, she treats me like I'm God. I treat her she, like she's like she's like the ish. She's mm-hmm. above all else, anything. But then, you know, when you when you when you bring in all these these other um, things it's it's not home to me right so so how do you what's your coping mechanism when you're uncomfortable in that situation like how do you cope what do you what do you do i focus i focus on i focus on her but i also focus on what's most important and i think going through the motions of 
having these conversations with um, my sister, family members, and really close friends who who know who know of you know my upbringing and know what it's like to grow up in that particular household. You know, if you were if you were like next door to 15 Flemington Road, you know, around around the corner from like right right there in the corner of Blossom Field, like you just knew what it was all about. Right. And there's a vibe, there's a feeling that, you know, you get when, you know, everybody steps into that house or steps into that home or, you know, that environment, you know, those, all these individuals understand how they contribute to that situation. So when they're there, it makes complete sense to them. But when they're not there, it's, it's 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 it, it just doesn't feel right for them as well because everybody brings something to the table, but we're not bringing the correct things to the table, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's you know there's there's an idea of hope, there's an idea to dream, but we all gotta understand that the common goal is, you know, family is stronger than anything. But just because your your blood doesn't mean your supposed to be this way because mm-hmm. you got you got you got close friends where you know you were friends with for four or five years and they're ready to take a bullet for you not to say your friends are not not to say your family's not going to take a bullet for you but those friends are there and they're just like there's there's no judgment there's no um there's no ridicule mm-hmm. and they're not there to take something from you i just feel like i just want to be in situations where i'm given something and I'm, and I'm able to give something back. And I'm not saying something physical. I'm not saying something tangible. I'm just saying emotion, um, words, thought, vision. Those are the most important things. And above all else, respect for, for everything else, right? Because that comes with anything. Right. So that's interesting. Um, that's a lot to unpack right there. But I, I appreciate you taking the time because I'm thinking as you're speaking... I don't think you got any sense of, now correct me if I'm wrong, any sense of um, vulnerability, meaning family members didn't display that because it wasn't safe to do that. True. And and that also means if you were the person that wanted or needed that, you know, just for someone to even say, I'm sorry for something. Mm-hmm it never came. And I can relate to that because that's just how the neighborhood was. Like nobody yeah. said, you know, sorry for like literally messing around or, or, you know, messing with you. But I can only imagine if you're in a household where no one was allowed to feel vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Like what did that do to you or for you or didn't do for you? Um, I think I went to I think I went through years with with it was being completely vulnerable to the point where I I I I wasn't vulnerable anymore. Mm, you became numb. right because I became numb because that you know when you go through when you go through a lot of things you know it hardens you you know it makes you tough so you you're, you're trying to navigate through the idea of nah Kevin that's who you were. And not who you want to be. So it's this constant battle within myself. And I never, like, I'll never sit here and I'll say that I'm right. And I'll never sit here and say that I'm wrong because I don't think that I'm trying to be either. All I'm really trying to be is human. I'm trying to be myself. And I think that's the most important thing. But when you've, been, when you've gone so many years of being vulnerable, in my world, it's take, take, take. Right. But what are you giving? Right. Or what do you, yeah, what do you, yeah, what are you getting back? You know, what do you, what are you getting back? Right. So you gotta, you really gotta open up your knapsack and unpack and really figure out like what's in there because that's the most important thing. Right. Now, is there, is there anything that scares you most in this life? Failure. Hmm. Why is that? Okay. I, I, I got, I went to university for a few years and, um, I went through a lot of, a lot, I went through a lot of emotion, emotion, um, 
uh, family, family stuff and um, really looking out for other people where I really just forgot about myself. And through that whole process, I really felt like I was failing. And when I was failing, I knew it. Mm. Because at that point, it was like, I failed to put myself first. I failed to put my studies first. I was attending an institution where, you know, you, you, you pay to go there, they put a book in front of you, cross talk, you listen, you write tests, you either do well or you don't do well. Um, but I wasn't mentally prepared to be in that position. And I knew I was failing and I was comfortable with it. Mm. Because at that point, I really, really had nothing to lose. Because I, I just thought like I was losing already. So like, what else? What else could I lose? Right. And this was your, your first year? This is my first and second year. Okay. Yeah. What What did you enroll into? Like, what were you there to study? I, was, I majored in um, sociology. Okay. And you finished it or? Nope, I didn't finish it. I still got a year left. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Now, why why was it important for you to attend post-secondary? Was there a reason behind it? I was going, at the time, I was going through the motions. I was going through the motions of um, that's what every everyone was doing at the time. Right. And I wasn't exactly sure of what I was doing or why I wanted it so bad. And I think that was the most confusing part because I still felt like I was, um, well, first off, I was living alone. I, I lived in a, you know, basement apartment, um, paying my own rent and, you know, figuring out how to put food on the table for myself from the last year of high school, you know, to this point in my life. So I felt like that was the most important thing. And university wasn't really getting me there. Right. I'm not saying that was the wrong approach. I'm not saying that was the right approach. I just said, like, at that point, university wasn't getting me there. It wasn't putting food on the table. So if I was, if I was attending an institution, I had no food in my belly. Right. So if I worked, I had to put food in my belly. Right. I had to put shoes on my foot. I had to put clothes on my back. So, you know, what was, what was first? So, Survival mode kicked in. Survival mode kicked in. That sense of failure. Failure to put, first off, failure to put food in my stomach did never exist because it was always important. But, I mean, going to school, it was more of a task than a pleasure. Right. Right. It was more of a, a need than a want. Mm-hmm. Which, which to me is, which to me is the craziest thing because you know, you're, you're taught, you know, a 10 to 10 to 10, success to sex to sex. And that's what you need to do. But it wasn't working for me. Right. So I went back to the drawing board and I just kept working. And it's interesting because um, for those listening, I, I want you to take in what just happened here. Like he said, you know, failure is one of his fears like one of the things that scares him but if you actually pay closer attention it's his drive so rather than being afraid to just fail and and think about failing he's saying well i'm gonna think about failing but i'm definitely gonna make sure because i know i don't want that i'm gonna push harder work harder to make sure that never happens Right. The same way you might have a vendetta against somebody who did you wrong or, um, you know, a boss that you're trying to prove right or or wrong. And 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 all those types of scenarios, he's using his fear as his, you know, his motor. Mm -hmm. I think I think we can take, you know, a, a, a great lesson from that is that a lot of us are afraid to take chances on ourselves right but who better to bet on than you cuz you know what you're capable of and what you're not capable of mm-hmm. right so i just want people to take take note of that um 
I want to go back a bit because you jumped ahead to post-secondary experience and we'll go back to that um, mm-hmm. in a bit. But I want to go back to where we were before that. And we were talking about the family dynamics. Yeah. Um, so would you put your family or your friends first if you had to choose one? I would put my family first. And and that's interesting to me too because I, I agree with that. And... I would do the same. Mm-hmm. And the thought that popped through my head as you gave that answer was sometimes we don't choose our other family, right? Yeah. Like our biological family is there, mm-hmm. right? We don't get to choose them, but we can choose the other members that we bring in that could be, you know, we treat them as though they're cousins and, and, and extended family, which are the yeah. really dope friends that we have. Yeah. You know, and sometimes it depends on who they are and how impactful they are in our lives. They actually, in some areas of our lives, they replace our family members. Yep. You know, because even though, yes, you said it earlier too, blood is not always um, uh, in your corner, so to speak. Right. And and so you have to lean where the support is. And the perfect example of that, of that was that teacher. Right. That teacher was in yeah. your corner more than the support you were getting from family. So I always want people to recognize that you can't say I'm going to go die hard with family just because of blood. Yeah. Right. And, and like, I mean, firsthand, I know for a fact that family will keep taking, like you said, but mm-hmm. never replenishing it. Yeah. And they keep taking because they feel like, well, it's Kevin. So, you know, I can have some too, but they don't yep. bring anything to the table to replenish that container that they just emptied. Exactly. And they figure Kevin has it, so let me just take. He'll be all right. He'll be straight. Yeah. You know, and and that's the part that I want people to really think about, too, with family, is that family does things um, in a way that's subtle, but they're taking advantage. Yeah. And that's also, to me, a form of abuse because you're really breaking me down to, you know, a minimal substance to the point where... I now become nothing, and yet, for some reason, when I'm nothing, you're in your happiest state. Yep. And that bothers me. So I, I think it's, I think it's crazy because, like, I mean, when, we look, when I look back on things, I, I just say to myself, you know, things are what they were, things are what what it is. But at the same time, you know, we were, we put things in a perspective and. It continues to make me personally hungry. And I, I think you could say the same thing for yourself because you get so deep into pocket that they've, they've loved taking from you so much, or they've loved, you know, watching you pull yourself out of that hole where you made it out of here because you were there. Then you made it out of here because you were there, but now we're here. And now we really got to make it out because if we don't make it out, we're not going to survive. Mm-hmm. And we're stronger than, and after every situation, you need to come back stronger, man. Like yeah. you, you really come back strong and you know, you, you never real, like I, that's one of the things I've learned too. Like you, you just, you become stronger than you've ever been because you realize that there's such a desire to win that there's nothing can stop you. Yeah. I just you're taking me to different places, and I, and I appreciate mm. that. No um, problem, man. I wanna, I wanna tie this section up with this question for you. How do you want people to feel when they are around you, when they're in your presence? How do you want them to feel? I want them to feel safe. I want them to feel like I want them to feel open. I want them to feel like they have that platform to simply be themselves. They'll never be judged. They'll never be ridiculed. Um, I want them to to feel like they have that space where they simply can be themselves. Because I think that's another thing where when we get around, if we get around, whether you know, whether it's our family or friends or whatever it may be, like we there's a, there's this conscious fear that you know we really can't be who we are and be comfortable in that setting and just say what we want and that's for me that's what it could be 
Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to be nosy with this one I'm thinking about. Your last intimate relationship, what did you learn from that about yourself? Oh, that's not being nosy at all. What's that? Um, that's not being nosy at all. Because, <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, hey, no, sorry, before you answer, the reason why I'm asking that is because I know a lot of people that go in and out of relationships. Yeah. Right? But the question really is, what did you learn from the experience? Right? And not too many people can even identify what they picked up. I mean, it could, and usually people will say, oh, no, it didn't work out. It was a bad one. The other person was this or that. But there's a nugget in every situation. Yeah. Yeah. Right. But you'll only find them when you're looking. So that's why I'm asking that. I mean, I'm curious because I know you're, you're a writer and you write poetry and therefore I know you think beyond the surface. So that's why I'm, I'm curious to see um, what you got from your, your last relationship. I think that I was, I was, I was, um, I was scared to be vulnerable. Um, I think that it was um, it was significant for the simple fact that I was there and I was in it, but there was still a piece of me that was looking on the inside and saying to myself, "Yo, you love her, you're with her," but there's something that she's doing that not keeping you there but at the same time you're not really giving it your all mm. to be there because she's waiting for that specific moment and that's what you need to do i mean it's different for all of us right we we we're we're really waiting for we're really waiting for something and as much as i could literally say she wasn't vulnerable. I could really say that I wasn't vulnerable enough. Mm. Because I think that women are emotionally attached and vulnerable in, in you know, in, in most relationships because of of whatever it is. But at the same time it's I was simply waiting for more. My expectations were this and I can honestly say that I wasn't there to meet her halfway uh, so even though you had the expectations you also felt like you fell short of your delivery definitely definitely uh, I, I feel like we 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 we, we uh, we're we're ignorant if we we say to ourselves this is this is what it is and you know she did this and da 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 and we always speak from that other person's perspective, but we fail to recognize the things that we're doing mm. to create the situation within the situation. Yeah. Because we all got to realize we all have a part to play. We all got there for a reason. Mm-hmm. Like you said what you said, she said what she said, but what did you really do to complement that particular moment? Right. Right? Right. So I could sit here and I could blame her, but I'm like, I can't really blame her because, yeah, I didn't get this, but I really didn't give this. Right. She may have been waiting for this, but I really didn't give that. Right. Well, I, I mean, I hope, I hope, you know, people listening um, can really walk away with something with that right there because it's important. I mean, you can't be in a relationship thinking that that person's job is to give because i have these expectations in my head you can't it's 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 a it's a tug of war it's a you know push-pull relationship you got to give and you got to take you got to give and you got to take but if you're constantly taking uh that jar is going to be empty and that's where the person just walks away because they're like i ain't got nothing else to give so and you ain't got nothing else to take so let's you know let's part ways yeah so i'm glad you acknowledge that you obviously had a role in it not going the way you would have liked. But what was interesting when you were talking to me was um, when you said that you weren't vulnerable enough. And I'm thinking, do you think it has anything to do with the childhood experiences of not being able to be vulnerable even in your own home? I think that, I think that had a part in it, but I also feel like um, if I'm not, if I'm, I'm seeing that particular moment. I was there. 
I wanted it, I wanted to make it happen. And um, I think that, you know, my story, my, my upbringing and, 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 and all that was there, but I, I just, I don't think um, there was under, uh, there was an understanding of, of what that meant to me. So I can say that, yeah, it had an, yeah, it had an effect, but at the same time, I've, I think I've, I've, I've come, I've come through in too many years to, to realize that I'm past that point, but I've, I've graduated to this point where, yes, but I really need something and I wasn't getting it, mm. but I still hold myself accountable because there's always things that you never really said. Right. So <clears throat> I'm going to shift gears. I'm going to shift gears. Uh, Pure Words is a website, purewords.ca. If you're listening, check it out. That's where you'll find all of uh, Kevin's books. He's got a million books. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I'm about to, uh, I'm about to, um, I, I, it's funny because the, the, most of the books that are up on there right now is, is, um, I'm going to slowly release, um, you know, some of those books and um, there's going to be, uh, whether it's a sneak peek or um, uh, updated covers and um, content that that was sitting there from from years back that really should have been in there kind of thing, but kind of didn't make the cut. So that's gonna that's gonna so revised. Gonna, these are gonna be revised versions. Correct. Correct. Awesome. So updated Correct. versions, you're going to have the same poem, but you're going to have a few gems that are new, fresh to the reader's eyes and, and things like that. Correct. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Now, what's the latest one um, you're working on currently? Um, the last book I just released was uh, Forget About Yesterday. Um, that, was, um, that was a very important book. Um, what inspired it? Uh, my friend Sabrina, um, she passed away in 2019. My condolences, condolences. Yeah. I think you posted a picture of her. Yeah. 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 She It's crazy because, um, she, um, so I was, I was speaking to her over the last couple of years and she had a hard time. And while I was talking to her, she would have these, these, um, great conversation by the way she was um so she grew up in jungle as well uh i knew her since grade two um we've had um we've always maintained con contact um like we we know each other from the sandbox like flemington road Mm. so like that was that was huge for me um so um yeah i mean we worked together at dominion you know when dominion was metro for god's sake Right, right you know like back in those days so um, we always maintain contact, and I, I I just had these these great conversations, like you know, similar to how with you, and we we talk about the past, we talk about the future, and um, in the last couple of years, I just think it meant so much to me because um, I put she just said she she would say some stuff to me where I was just like just baffled, mm. and I was just sit there and she's like yo but like you're not really feeling your writing now and there was a time where i went through writer's block and she really helped me get back into it because she was really like pushing the pushing the envelope and she was just like yo you know where we come from and i would literally play it off and like laugh and she's like no seriously like you you really need to like put the pen up like don't put it down like pick the pen up like ink to page like really do this like because you really do this Mm. and i really really got into it and i just felt like i was really getting busy with the pen and um you know she would tell me she was sick and i really didn't understand it and then she told me you know don't feel sorry for me and i was like no 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 and then you know she passed you are listening to Derek asante podcast also known as DAPS. Just want to take a a second to offer my condolences as well as a moment of silence 
for a special friend, a dear friend of our guest who passed away in 2019, Sabrina. Thank you. Um, we're going to wrap this episode off here. It's a two-part series, so please tune in next week to hear the rest of Kevin's story. It's a very powerful one. It's a moving one. I think you'll appreciate it. He opens up about the impact the loss of his friend had on him. He opens up even more about his family. He opens up about, you know, his motivation and what drives him. And conversation gets a lot richer than what you've already experienced. And um, it's a it's a special moment for me with this episode. And uh, I just want to take a moment to say thank you all for tuning in on a regular basis. Please subscribe and continue to support us. Every like, every comment, you know, every share goes a long way. So continue to do that for us. Also, don't forget to check out the uh, the works that I put together as well. Um, you can get my work on uh, graymilespublishing.com. I have two books there. Uh, that's the the Best of Grey, which is a children's book, and Scriptures from the Sidewalk. But more importantly, I want you to go and check out Kevin's work on purewords.com, and that's where you'll find most of his work as well. Okay? Again, thank you for tuning in. Please subscribe. Love, peace, and happiness. Happiness.